Revolvers and Katanas, Session 1, The Lightning Rail. In this world there was a bloody great war between the arcane, led by Janon, who believed that magical knowledge could be used for the good of mankind as a whole, and the Steel Empire, led by the Silver Emperor, who believed the future of humanity lay in the technologies of the ancients. A large part of the Steel Empire is the Church of Progress, who have more understanding of the technology, but have semi-deified it. The Great War lasted for ten years, the cost to life and land being great, but eventually the Steel Empire triumphed, killing Janon and scattering his surviving forces to the wind. To the east of the Empire on the fringes, the stranglehold of the Steel Empire is less monolithic. Every day settlers crowd onto a single train known as the Lightning Rail that runs from the last civilised town of East March to the settlement of Last Hope. One of our heroes, Wolfren, has a well-established alternate identity from his time during the war. He has also managed to acquire some less skillfully made documents for his fellows so that they can board the train. However, you're you're pretty certain that like if they look too deeply into these like forged documents, like giving them more than a cursory glance, they're not going to stand up to any level of scrutiny. If it's just a case of they quickly look at them and they're like, oh yeah, go on board, that'll be fine. But any level of scrutiny, it's not going to pass muster. Okay. So obviously presumably you've told your your fellows that but so feeling a little probably feeling a little bit more nervous than you'd have liked Wolfram about that you and your companions Balthazar, Caldor and William are walking through the crowds gathered around the terminal for this lightning grail Balthazar has a long dark coat a shaved head and wears small glasses perched on his nose his clothing is worn and has been patched many times. I think he's got sort of like, like his attire, I think, is a sort of faded, sort of, it's seen, it's seen better days, sort of like worn down, dark, uh, traveling coat, and then underneath, sort of worn, uh, used to be sort of quite nice some time ago, but given the war and everything, uh, it's been uh, quite some time since he's gotten new clothes, so... Um, sort of worn vest um sort of semi frilly edged uh shirt underneath and um he's uh carrying a walking stick uh which is uh not like a straight up like industrial manufactured pole uh it's a uh very much uh it looks like it came from a plant <laughs> not from a factory and um uh he looks a little bit indeterminate in age like he's obviously not young but it's very hard to pinpoint like where where are we in the sort of age spectrum there uh he's uh quite vital caldor is middle-aged and a little unkempt he's probably sort of what's classed as middle-aged in these times um a little bit unkept so his hair's a little bit you know wild he's got his uh beard that's particularly not particularly well trimmed or anything he's uh he's sort of Appearance is not important to him, overly. So, uh, it, yeah, it goes a little, a little awry from day to day. He's uh, 
he's quite calculated fella. He's quite sort of slowly spoken. He he thinks before he he talks, so he he tends to be quite slow when he's uh, talking to people. He's thinking it through in his head, almost saying it through to him before he actually says it. Uh, he's quite quite intelligent. He's quite a sort of the way he's into his study and he's very uh, obsessed with the magic. William Nash moves with the practice gait of a soldier and wears a semi-permanent scowl, while Wolfren, a man in his early 20s, is fairly nondescript. He's kind of average height, um, slightly better than average build, um, and fairly nondescript looking. Um, you know, his clothes are kind of fits in with everything else around him, um, doesn't really stand out at all, um, kind of short, kind of... <coughs> brown hair and kind of a real forgettable face um, and he just kind of kind of walks along slowly kind of looking around um, constantly look on the lookout for um, opportunities or risks and just kind of um, fits in everywhere and doesn't ever look out of place. The train has a first class cabin at the front behind a fuel car at the back are two rougher wooden cars one for poorer passengers and the other for cargo. Our heroes witness a noble party who are protected by bodyguards aboard the first-class cabin. A member of the Church of Progress, bedecked in robes, accompanied by two adepts, walks up and down the line, waving censers that emit pungent fumes, drifting sacred incense over the train that it might be blessed to function without fault on its journey. I think there's more anonymity amongst the unwashed um, rather than drawing attention to ourselves. So I think Wolfram would definitely be eyeing up this second-class carriage to try and squeeze on there and try and go under the radar. The heroes show their forged papers to the conductor. He says, papers, please. So I'll hand mine over. presenting his papers first. Okay. That of a you commissioned officer who over. fought on the side now, of the steel during What the is your alternate identity? So I think... I just want to be like a, um, I guess my I want my identity to be a kind of retired or, um, not quite retired because I'm not old enough, but um, a uh, ex-soldier, um, who fought in the war on the emperor's side and who is now out to, yeah, explore the badlands. He looks at your papers. This alternate identity you've meticulously crafted. As a member of the the Silver Legion, the the army that fought on the side of the Steel Empire, and seeing that, you see his eyes widen a little bit, and he sort of stands up a little bit straighter and looks a little bit more interesting. And he he passes your papers back to you, Wolfren, and he says he smiles and he sort of his his whole demeanour seems to soften and sort of change. And he he sort of pats you on the shoulder and he says uh, he says ah. Oh, Silver Legion, eh? Says, eh? Did, did my time in the Legion myself um, back, back during the war. Of course, uh, after that, there wasn't uh, there wasn't much call for professional soldiers anymore. So, you know, you have to take what work you can get. And he sort of leans and he says, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on board. And he sort of like gives you like a little salute. And he says, you know, I'll, I'll never forget those those people I served with in the Legion. And then he, he sort of looks around a little bit conspiratorially. And he says, uh, he says, look, uh, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but uh, 
the the, the second class cabins like pretty cramped it's gonna get a little bit ripe in there if you uh, know what i mean he says um how how many of you are in are in your party he says, uh four he says, uh, he says well I, I can't promise anything but if you can give me a couple of minutes if you want i can maybe see if i can sneak you into the the first class cabin i shouldn't really do it but you know us us old soldiers we've got to stick together uh that that's if you're interested of course and he's like obviously i'll have to check it but uh no i think we're okay i think you know that's um we're happy to sit with the in the second class carriage um he does fancy dudes to their fancy stuff and he says um, yeah, ain't that the truth? I don't remember uh, seeing too many of them dying out on the, the godforsaken battlefield no, while we were no. fighting those those devilish witches and those demonic sorcerers for tr- trying to save the common man from their demon powers. And he starts to get like a little bit animated and like wave his fist about. Yeah, they... worshippers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 they wouldn't even recognise a witch. <laughs> no, that's true. He says. No. He says, oh, I tell you what, I wish I was one here right now. I'd give them what for. He says, I, can't oh, get yeah, yeah. I can almost smell magic. I spent that long in the Legion. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I'd like to see the sorcerer who could sneak past me. And then he says, he says, oh, I've turned. He says, well, get yourself onto the um, second class um, passenger passenger car. And he just like waves the rest of you through. He doesn't, like, if you go to hold it, your papers, he says, that that's fine. He says, the, the, word, of a, the word of a fellow Legionnaire is enough enough for me he says it's a bit crammed and a bit ripe in there he says uh, but you get yourself on we're gonna uh, we're gonna be setting off in a a few moments to get the last few um crates on board and he sort of points down the train they board the second class cabin as they see people loading cargo onto the rear carriage the cabin they board is extremely crammed with poor people carrying but meager possessions pinning all their hopes on a new start to the east it is a far cry from the golden age promised by the steel empire a few minutes later the train begins to pull out of the station for a few moments as they travel Nash thinks he sees a face that he recognises in the crowd so you're sort of you're sort of looking around and it's quite difficult to sort of see anyone clearly apart from yourselves there's so many people crammed in here and people are constantly moving around and like shuffling around each other there's people sat with sort of like hoods pulled over their heads or they're sat sort of like smoking in a corner and there is that no one seems to like care about that but there is like this hazy sort of thick carpet of smoke sort of filling the cabin but just for a few moments you think like at the far end of the cabin from where you are you see someone who's wearing like many people in there is wearing like one of these sort of leather traveling hoods as he sort of moves and shuffles his way across the cabin pushing and edging past some other people his hood sort of like falls back for a few moments and you just catch a, a slight glimpse of this person's face and you're not sure where but you're sure you recognise the face from somewhere and then like he's gone he's like disappeared into the crowd again and he could be any one of like a number of like sort of hooded people in here I will get moving in the direction he was going and uh See if I can see a face under any hoods. Okay, not a problem. Eventually, you do spot a a slightly 
more familiar looking face and you recognize a, a person you've not seen for quite some time probably known to all of you it's a man named Ludwig who was also a member of the Arcane during the the days up to and prior to the Great Conflict. And he, he's basically sort of hunkered down in one corner. He's wearing just sort of fairly standard sort of like rough, weather-beaten travelling gear, like say sort of shoulder and head covering leather hood. And he's he's got like a small like, like hand-rolled like cigarette and he's He's lit and he's just sort of cr crouched down, kneeling down in the corner, like. <sighs> he doesn't seem to have noticed you at the minute. I'll go and loiter in the general area where he's crouched. Okay, not a problem. He, he appears to be sort of like keeping his head down, but he doesn't seem to have noticed you. Wolfram peers through a small window into the first-class cabin and can see a noble man and woman who are enjoying the luxuries of the first-class cabin, surrounded by a group of well-armed bodyguards. While this is going on, Caldor listens to the conversations of those surrounding him. Most people seem to be poor and they have spent their life savings banking on a new start in Last Hope. He hears that there are apparently rare minerals in the mountain to the east of Last Hope that are worth a great deal and there is plenty of work as miners. So, Balthazar, how about yourself? Um, I might have slipped to the back of the car to peer into the one behind uh, to check on the freight car. Okay. If there is a, a window. There similarly. is indeed a window, yeah. So, as you peer through that window into the freight car you can see it's a wooden car pretty much like the one you're in and there's no benches or seating or anything like that it's basically a wooden box on wheels it's full of tea chests wooden crates some small some large all manner of i suppose like packing material basically all sort of stacked fairly haphazardly you know, like it's just been like thrown into this freight car and they've just tried to squeeze in as much as they can you expect that given the amount of stuff that's in it like the the train could probably move far quicker if it didn't have the freight car on it but obviously as one of the the few sort of lightning rails that's still running because really the technology to sort of maintain them has sort of been lost by this point they pretty much have to use it for transporting people and goods they don't have the luxury of a lot of alternatives it's just sort of like trying to peer around as best you can through this like small window you notice the the back of the the freight car is so it's deep in shadow just because of like the shadows of all these big boxes and stuff like that and as you're looking you can just about make out the silhouette of like a really big crate at the very back of the freight car it's taking up like an awful lot of room and then just for a few seconds you think you see like a little winking like pinprick of like red light through a couple of the like wooden panels in this mm. big crate and is it just the one wink or it, it seems to like blink on and off a few times yeah. and then disappears yeah. is there like is it fully stacked uh, or is there room to 
there's well, a very uh, thin sort of channel down the middle of it because obviously they've yeah. got to have someone in to check it but you literally have to sort of edge your yeah. way down like that yeah so feasibly like the the door connecting our car to them or the, the freight car uh that could be opened and you could slide in yeah uh, if okay yeah no i um i make note of this and i, I keep an eye on the uh um the the blink uh, for now. Meanwhile, near the front of the carriage, Nash notices Ludwig pull a small metal box with buttons on it out of his cloak, and he starts pressing them, glancing around furtively. I'll give him a gentle nudge with my foot. No, I'm not going to kick him, just a, a gentle push against his shin. Okay, yeah, you nudge him with the, with your shin. Not very hard, like not really knock over, but it seems to like startle him, and he. He sort of like jumps up the the metal rectangle he's holding, which is about sort of pocket calculator size, sort of falls out of his hand and like skitters across the floor. He immediately whirls around and he's like, Hey, what's going on? And then he obviously sees you and he recognizes you and he's like he's like, Nash, what the hell are you doing on here? Uh getting away, going going over there, exploring a new frontier. Also, they tell me. He says, uh, he, he sort of like stares at a few moments and he says, uh, Yeah, right here, a lot of uh, a lot of people uh, gave up the fight uh, once the uh, the Empire came in, once uh, once uh, Janon had died, and uh, most people are now fleeing to the to the battle. Well, the few have got away anyway. And you know, as he's saying this, he's like. He's like looking around like he's looking for this thing he dropped. But obviously there's so many people in it, it's been like kicked across the floor and it's like disappeared under a chair and like he's like He's looking around as he's like talking to you. What are you doing? He's like he's like, Oh we're Is it yeah, uh, like you say, just uh just heading to the east, just uh trying to stay out of trouble, you know. Uh, I mean, let's face it, what is there for us here now? Not a lot. He says, uh, he says, uh, listen, listen. And he sort of leans in and his voice lowers, but he says, he says, normally I wouldn't say anything, but he says, look, we, we both serve together. I know, I know you're a fairly solid uh, bloke. Look, take my advice. Look, the, the, the train's slowing down as it, as it goes up the hill up there and he sort of points out the window he says look it'll be slow enough that if you jump you can probably get off the train without getting hurt he's like I'm telling you this is a friend he's like look look, look you can hear it slowing down now look, look just get yourself off the train while the going's good he's like, he's like look look Look, sorry you stopped maybe we haven't, we haven't got time to discuss it is that look but I'm telling you this for your own good look, look just get off the train as they're saying this Balthazar looking through the little window to the freight car compartment you suddenly notice this red light wink on again and this time it stays on and it seems um, to be getting slowly like brighter until it's like so, that size uh, whereabouts was Kaldor sorry in the sort of 
makeup of this car. I'm pretty much by the door. I think I'd have just squeezed on at the end. Yeah. 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 So I um, I I like push a couple of people. Sorry, 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 and then like reach reach over. A couple of like, yeah, like, watch tap, tap on like Calder is like, yeah. come on, come over, and uh, trying to like jostle Calder uh, next That's to me. And it's like uh, put a hand uh, around his shoulders and it's like, look that way, right? And I sort of like rub the the little glass window there. It's like, look. Yeah, he, he points to this large crate, and through like a gap in two of the like planks that make up the crate, you can see this sort of now quite bright red glow. It was going on and off, on and off, on and off, and now it's on. Some so, sort of, some, some sort of machine. I think it's some some kind of construct and. Well, uh, not an expert, but I would think that indicates some sort of activation. But it's packed away, and I wouldn't like if 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 it was like a guard machine, it wouldn't be packed away. I'm gonna just scan the second class sort of passengers, looking to see if anyone's got any sort of little device or something that there might be. Sort of playing with that might okay. sort of activating something or yeah just, that's I a, don't really know what what's going on that's a perfectly valid call so can you please make me a skill check and it will be a notice check difficulty is 10 no okay so you don't notice any device that anyone's fiddling with or anything like that however you do catch sight of like William like talking to this like shifty looking guy sort of crouched down like they appear to be having quite a heated discussion this guy's like gesturing around with like a cigarette you you can't see the guy through the crowd and I see William's sort of in the way but there appears to be like quite an animated discussion going on okay uh yeah, I'll point that out uh, to Balthazar. You you think it's old friends or old enemies? Um, it's not someone we recognise, is it? You you can't really see them well enough. All oh, right, okay. Uh well, could be anyone, but it seems. Seems it's, it's getting a little bit aggravated, maybe. Right, so... Um, I, I don't know what's going on in the freight car. And as you say that, there is the muffled sound of cracking and bursting wood from inside the freight car. And if either of you glance back through that window you see the the large packing crate essentially explodes as a large metallic humanoid so in a, a fetal position basically rises up a single sort of point of red light glowing roughly where a head would be on a normal figure and it sort of as it expands it 
bursts out of this crate, sending chips of wood and sawdust up into the air. Obviously the sound is slightly muffled by the distance between the cars. So I presume Caldor you're <laughs> you're seeing this as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um that's not good. Uh I'm not sure that's meant to be happening either. No, no, it was packed away. This isn't they, they didn't the the train uh conductors they didn't plan for this. I don't think so. Uh did we get someone from the first class passenger car? The guards? Um, we could, they might have something there to shut it off or something. Uh, how about I take a look? I don't really know how this works, but how about I take a look, see if I can find something there between the cars to maybe detach the crates. Mm. I'll, I'll go and uh, I'll go and find one of these guards. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they might have something for it. As you watch, you see the the large metallic humanoids, are very clumsily at first, but gaining surety with each step it takes, slowly starts to basically like lumber towards the front of the freight cart. You can hear the slight sort of creaking of the panels and the floor as its large and metallic bulk starts moving forward. You see like its head appears to be set into its torso and it sort of swings as it moves. Now a sort of faint like beam of illumination coming from this single red orb on it as it seems to be taking in its surroundings. Is the door open, John? <laughs> Is there a a handle I can there there is a handle yeah yeah I'll I'll give it a quick tug yeah the, it opens it's not locked yep so yeah I look into the space there between um, both sides is it magnetic or like what are we talking it, it's, for the connection it's literally like a, a physical connection hook it's like a hook <laughs> with in like a loop yeah oh man it's probably gonna be ass trying to lift that but I'll, I'll give it a experimental uh, just I'm not trying to unhook it but just to just see if, if I can could. even affect it yeah, yeah. It, it seems sort of quite securely lodged in there you'd certainly have to make some sort of roll you think you probably could if you were strong enough pull yeah. it open but you definitely have to make a roll to do it yeah no um, however as you've opened mm -hmm. the door, obviously the sound of like crashing, splintering wood as this thing is basically just lumbering, because it can't fit down this narrow gap. It's just sort of lumbering through the car, just seemingly like walking through all of these packing crates and like popping open and bursting as it goes. Obviously, now like people behind you can hear this. Now the door's open. A sort of general like cry of alarm goes up from the people in the second class passenger compartment like people are sort of like pointing although they can't really see it clearly because like you're in the way and there's a lot of dust but they can see this big looming shadow and this like glowing red orb people are like pointing at it and like shouting some of them are starting to panic and they're trying to like scramble further towards the front of the train 
but everyone's so tightly packed in here it's quite difficult to move at which point William Ludwig sort of like grabs hold of you and he's like look quit before it's too late just get yourself off this godforsaken train I'm going to grab him by the lapels and push him straight against the wall so what the yeah, you, you fuck have you done the wall. <laughs> and, he, and he's like look they didn't leave us any choice there's only a few of us left we, 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 we've got to carry on the fight most people have given up but not me we, we, we've got to take it back you want to fight innocent people on a train he's like look this is the only way what have you done he, he sort of like points a shaky hand through the crowd towards this like lumbering silhouette with this glowing red orb that's sort of getting slowly nearer to the door between the freight car and the second class passenger cabin and he says he says look it's a it, it's something from the old times that we we found it on earth we obviously we, we never used it we I mean, we don't know how to control these things we didn't, we didn't even know if it would work but it's one of the few one of the few weapons we've got left for he says I, I, I'm not abandoning the fight like everyone else he says they deserve this for what they did to, to Janon you Okay. I'm going to grab a, a door, essentially, and throw it open. The, the door to the outside, yeah? Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to start open. yelling at passengers to get off the train. Okay, not a problem. A few people look a little bit uncertain, but the train is sort of going at a relatively slow speed at the minute, so it's starting to go up a hill. Um, can you roll me out a D6, please? Okay. So I'm going to say six people jump out. However, now the train has reached the sort of top of the hill, it is starting to pick up speed again. However, six people have now sort of like jumped out and sort of rolled onto the hill before the train started picking up speed again. Right, uh, I'm going to have to go to first class and annoy a soldier. Okay. So before we do that, since we're not really in a combat as such, but since we're effectively like initiative sort of stuff becomes important now, the way this works is one of you rolls a d8 and you add the, the modifier of the person with the highest dex, I believe it is. And then I do likewise, whoever gets the highest, that group gets to go first basically. Uh, 15 decks. It'll be your modifier, not your actual score. Oh, that's one then. Zero, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to roll mine. I'm on a 10. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay. So this creature, whatever it is, is going first and again it lumbers forward to the point where it's almost at the door between the freight cart and the second class cabin now Balthazar now it's nearer you can hear like the creaking of metal 
and you can smell a sort of a sort of burnt sort of ozone smell emanating from this mechanical device that obviously it looks like a vaguely sort of humanoid sort of robot or servitor clad all in metal armor but it's like nothing you've seen before even the bits of technology that the, the silver the the steel empire could use at their height were nothing like this this seems like it might be some sort of remnant from a bygone age as it's sort of baleful red glow of this this eye for want of a better term gets closer okay now I'm going to say in the first class passenger cabin obviously they've heard the sort of cries of alarm the the guards are forming up around their masters to protect them and the the conductor started to sort of like make his way down to see what's going on it's over to you guys I think Wolf runs closest to the first class. Um, I'd be looking for this box that got knocked out of Ludwig's hand. And I believe our two magic friends, uh, although ill-equipped to deal with a specific issue, will probably be trying to formulate some kind of plan. Okay, so make me a notice roll. However, the difficulty now is only six because obviously a lot of people have left the car. Okay, so as you look across the car, you can see literally just on the edge of where the open door is perhaps kicked there by the the people who are crowding to get off sort of teetering on the edge is this small pocket calculator sized metal slab that Ludwig was pressing so earnestly earlier on like I said the train oh. is now picking up speed again I'll make a grab for that okay so making a grab for that I am going to ask you to make me let's see what we've got I would just say roll me a roll me two d six and add your dex modifier to it. Seven. Okay. Yep. So you slide. You literally have to throw yourself forwards as you see it sort of just tilting and getting ready to slide out of the open door. You literally throw yourself forward on your stomach. So sliding past Wolfren, Wolfren you see William go sliding past and you literally sort of grab hold of it with your extended arms just it's about to fall out of the door and your arms yeah. are now sort of like hanging out the door holding onto it, the rest of you is in the cabin meanwhile Wolfren enters the first class cabin using his cover as an officer one of the bodyguards orders the conductor to uncouple the cars abandoning the poorer passengers to their fate in order to save his employers Lord and Lady Snarrock Caldor starts herding the remaining second-class passengers towards the first-class cabin, whilst Balthazar starts trying to separate the freight car. He unhooks it, and the freight car starts receding away from the rest of the train. There is a loud... As with, like, a single, like, large metallic hand, the 
behemoth basically like swats the end of the freight car just like destroying the wall of it the front of the freight car is now entirely open to the air and you can see this large behemoth sort of stood at the end of it slowly sort of getting further back and you see as it sort of you see its legs start to like tense as it seems to be like getting ready to jump yeah um is there anything else on the um like the end uh of the car here is there uh, any kind of equipment uh i don't know i'm thinking of like fire axes uh, stuff like that or um like a ladder to the roof that there is i'll tell you what roll me a roll me a d6 if you get a one or a two now let's make it a five or a six there is a fire axe okay, there's, no, there's no fire axe but then <laughs> there is definitely like a sort of thin metal like ladder that leads up onto the roof yeah 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 the metal behemoth leaps from the freight car onto the roof of the second-class cabin. Balthazar swings out and begins climbing up onto the roof after it. Nash grabs Ludwig, who is heading towards the door, whilst Kaldor follows Balthazar the ladder to the roof. Yeah, uh, I've got the box in one hand and yeah. him in the other. So yeah. How'd you turn that fucking thing off? He's, a, he's like, look, man, he's like, I, I don't know, I didn't even know if I could turn it on. Never mind, turn it off. He's like, I knew this was a one-way trip when I got on. Look, I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you to get off the train, but you just wouldn't listen. He's like, listen, they, they've left us nothing. This is the only way to strike back against them. By killing the people that aren't actually involved in it. He's like, it's, it's not about them. It's about the train, man. Are you going to blow the train up? He's, he sort of like looks up at the roof and you can hear like it creaking as this thing's like... <laughs> across the roof and he's like he's like he's like i'm not that thing is and he's like without the train there'll be no flow of flow of goods and wealth from from the badlands he said we, we, we could cripple the the money that the empire's got flowing in from there i've got to knock him out yeah not a problem you just like smack him around the chops and he goes yeah, down I'll, I'll deal with him later as the train goes over a bump, distracting the conductor. During the distraction, Wolfram pours some lamp oil onto the coupling, making it more difficult to get a grip on it. The bodyguard leader starts shooting at the coupling, pushing the conductor out of the way. He blows a chunk of the coupling out and it slowly starts to creak and give way. Wolfram feigns stumbling and bumps into the bodyguard leader, slipping a contact poison onto his neck, causing the man to sway and fall back into the first-class cabin, losing consciousness. Um, so I would like to palm this guy's uh, gun on the QT. Um, yeah, that is then, not a problem. You don't even have to make a roll for that. He's out cold. Um, and then I want to call out. I'll decouple the cars, and then I want to walk back out to where the cars are. And then can I try and guesstimate how long I have before the hook? disassembles from the or comes apart from the ring roll me a d4 okay. and i've added a hand hurlant to your carriage excellent uh four okay you think you've got two rounds basically so like 20 seconds okay and is there any uh chains or anything else on the back of the train that i could kind of use to uh reinforce the on the roof, the metal behemoth is working its way across the roof towards the front of the train. 
Balthazar tells Calder he thinks that the metal creature might be going for the engine, and at this speed it would cause them a serious problem, and he doubts a soldier could deal with it. As the metal giant steps onto the Flurskast cabin, the soldiers and bodyguards inside start firing through the roof at the lumbering metal creature. The shots ping off its metal hide, seemingly doing it no harm. Wolfram searches frantically, but finds nothing to reinforce the coupling. He shouts that there are only a few moments before the coupling gives way. Nash runs and leaps over the gap into first class. The rest of the people from the second class cabin, having heard Wolfram shout, are all trying to rush into the first class car. Caldor begins using his magic to weaken the roof of the train below the creature. Yeah, basically I've got an empowered sorcery so I can uh, re-roll, sort of damage roll, for one um, effort. Yeah, so commit your so one effort and then yeah. roll your d8 again. And choose which one you want. I'll sort out how to do that in a minute. Okay, I shall roll a d8 again. <laughs> okay so you throw out your hand as this sort of like thermic crackling discharge sort of blasts out this almost like bolt of magical lightning into yeah. the metal floor directly below the creature's feet you do see it sort of blacken and sort of char the metal and again there's this smell of sort of ozone burnt metal in the air However, as you sort of throw that, you notice that like the electricity that hits the the ground near this creature's feet almost seems to get like drawn up into the feet of this metal monstrosity. And for a few moments you see sort of like thin blue lines sort of like running up its armoured carapace and then they fade away. And you notice it actually seems to like speed up a bit. Okay. Good show. Good show. Now, come on over. <laughs> I'll um, assist if necessary to uh, get Kaldor across yeah, the gap as well. Fine. And um, what I'll do is, <clears throat> as, uh, as we both cross the gap, I'll just. I, I thought you went uh, like that. You're going to be like, I'll run up and I'm like. No, no, we're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> I was like, um, I was like, bold. So, uh, yeah, as we cross the gap, it's like, if you've got more, just keep trying. I'm going to try as well. And I uh, uh, stride forward, and is it just, you know, single-jointed humanoid leg we're talking yes. about? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just give it all I can, just kick it in the... Uh, in the joint and try and, you know, make it stumble or uh, whatever. I'm making an attack. Yes, yeah, go for it. Um, so I should just be okay pressing this, I believe. Yeah, seems like. How's 18? Okay, it's not enough, unfortunately. You're your leg clangs into the thick metal joint of this warbot. It it hurts you more than it seems to do anything to it. Well, it takes four damage <laughs> from shock, unless it's immune to shock. It is not, so it does take okay, four. Okay, so it, it, it takes, takes four. four shock. Yep. 
One of the soldiers shouts at Wolfram and Nash to give him a hand as he starts trying to help the second-class passengers over. However, Wolfram convinces him that the second-class passengers would be better off in the second-class cabin, and they manage to persuade them to move back to the far end. Wolfram hands the pistol to Nash as he runs past, swinging up the ladder to the roof and handing the control box to Caldor, who begins to try and decipher the meaning of the device. Okay, so you don't know the exact in and outs of it because no one does about this ancient technology, but you can see like the red blinking light on this control box it looks very similar to the one on this creature. You think that probably a predetermined set of like buttons was pressed to activate it, like back in the day. Maybe this was some sort of like manual override if you needed to take like direct control over it, but even like it's like a very old keyboard where like the markings have worn off all the keys and you don't have the instruction manual so you think if you knew the predetermined sort of buttons to press the sequence of buttons you could probably deactivate or maybe even take direct control of this thing but the odds of you like pressing all these buttons in the right sequence are fairly slim well at this stage seems not any worse can <laughs> not much uh, much options or so i think he will try it just because he's got nothing to lose sort of thing so he's he is gonna just give it you know literally a second and just think mm, well if i was gonna have some sort of sequence to turn it off i would do this and sort of yeah. okay roll me a d12 if you get a 12 you've miraculously hit the correct sequence of buttons No. Okay, so no, but basically the more you try that on consecutive turns, like, it will get slightly easier each turn because you're sort of mm -hmm. eliminating like combinations. Yeah, yeah. options. Brute yeah. forcing it. Yeah. Finally, the coupling between the second and first class carts gives way and the second class cabin starts to recede along the tracks. The soldiers, taking Wolfram's lead, start to try and uncouple the first class cabin from the engine, planning to leave the metal creature to continue on to the engine. Wolfram makes his way into the fuel car, full of strange coils with lightning arcing between them, and he starts to assist with the uncoupling, whilst Nash begins opening fire on the metal giant with a pistol. Nah, that's a miss, mate. Yep, so you fire one of these these large projectiles out of this like, big sort of lawgiver-style pistol, and it like, slams into the back of this creature's carapace, so it didn't think it slightly, but it's only really cosmetic damage. Balthazar runs ahead of the creature, leaping up and shattering the red lens that seems to serve as its eyes. It continues moving forward, but its movements become jerky and uncoordinated, its clumsy metallic arms flailing around wildly. Nash charges the creature, tackling it and knocking it off the roof of the train. It rolls into the dirt, rolling and quickly rising to its feet. The metal creature grabs hold of the back of the train with one of its hands and begins to be dragged along the lightning rail behind the train. Sparks cascading out as it makes contact with the track. Wolfram leads the nobles into the fuel cart and shouts for the soldier to open fire on the creature. Most of the shots ping off it, however one blows a huge chunk of metal from it that cartwheels off down the track behind the train. Nash runs back to where the metal beast is attempting to pull itself onto the train and begins to hack oh, at its armoured hand with his sword. I'm going to hack at its hand with my sword. Balthazar looks along the track, and finally you can see the structures of Last Hope rapidly moving towards the train. He swings down into the fuel cart and shouts for the conductor to get the driver to slam the brakes on. The warbot begins to pull itself into the train as the soldiers continue to fire it at it, slowly withdrawing, blowing chunks of metal and wires off it. 
lying down on the roof, Nash hangs upside down over the entrance and fires his pistol into the creature. Oil begins to spray out of it and flames can be seen flickering inside its armoured hide. Wolfram stands in front of the nobles, attempting to shield them, and due to his alternate identity as Sergeant Malcolm Washburn, they follow his instructions and fall back as their bodyguard begin taking his lead. The metal creature charges blindly towards the soldiers and swats one of them effortlessly, panicking the rest and they start withdrawing more rapidly but continuing to fire. Balthazar lets the nobles pass them into the fuel car before running towards the metal behemoth. Come at me! Yep, sir, as Which you like punch it, it you literally like stick two of your fingers in like the broken sort of lens and when you pull out you basically rip out like a handful of yep. wires and like circuitry. And there's like a shower of sparks briefly illuminating your face, bright blue, as this thing again's like... As it's still sort of struggling forwards. Its fist crashes into Balthazar, smashing him into the metal wall of the train car, causing him to stagger and almost fall. One of the soldiers grabs Balthazar and starts dragging him back as they withdraw. Yeah, and uh, he has a handy human shield now. Yeah, there's that as well, yes. Uh, swat off the mercenary's hand. Yeah, that's fine. Like, if you don't want to be dragged to safety, he's like, fine. I'm not putting myself at risk. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I presume like he's he's okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, fine. You uh, you stay nearer to that while we keep getting further away. He shakes the blurriness from his vision and leaps again at the creature, grabbing its head and almost wrenching it off. Thick black smoke bellows out of its body, filling the car as Nash rushes the thing and redoubles his attack. Frustrated with his inability to decipher the control box. Kaldor swings down, hurling it at the creature. Yeah, he's he's seeing the situation looking pretty desperate. He's he's gonna actually he's gonna do his uh his his uh magic missile type thing again. He's gonna try that. Okay, so presumably you're focusing it on the actual monster this time. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Okay, so roll your one D eight damage. Okay. Well, obviously it gets a physical save for half, yeah. so I'm going to make that. Yeah. However, it fails, and it only has two hit points remaining. So, would you like to describe how, coming in as the finisher, Kaldor leans down between this gap and finishes off this rampaging ancient war bolt? Um, so obviously super frustrated with this random button smashing device he's just gonna sort of look look down between the throw that at it and it'll just probably smash on it and just launch this electric bolt or energy bolt uh and say i think i've finally got it yeah and you and it just goes through that damage in it oh the the sort of remote control down and it sails into the damaged sort of like bit where its neck is effectively where its head's been ripped off and as you sort of see it sort of go in there and you're like oh a big hole's been torn into it you aim your electricity directly into that most damaged point that's already on it and although it seems to be able to absorb or is powered by electricity in its damaged state it can't handle the the power flowing through it and it sort of stands there, sort of shuddering, like arcs of electricity begin to run over it. Its armor starts to get like hotter and hotter, and it starts to sort of glow brightly. And you can hear like a 
that starts to get like louder and louder as this thing's sort of standing there like shuddering sparks and flames coming off it its armor getting hotter and hotter by the moment what do you guys do as its reactor starts to go to overload right off the train yeah i'll shout down i think it's gonna blow <laughs> no ticket style nice okay yep so balthazar and william if you wish between the two of you now it's just sort of stood there you can just like haul it off the train for the best okay you watch as it sort of like bounces into the dirt and starts falling back into the distance the train is slowing down now but you can see it's starting to like pull into the the last stop this strange amalgamation of sort of wild west frontier town and cyberpunk dystopia you see it the the, the wardroid getting further and further into the distance you can eventually see it it's just like this glowing like bright white pinpoint of light then there is this loud explosion and this sort of coruscating orb of electricity sort of bursts out from it and this deafening sort of sonic boom echoes across the badlands followed by an onrush of air that sort of jars the the train and for a few sort of breath holding moments you think the train's gonna derail then it settles back onto the track with like a <coughs> and the train eventually slows down and pulls into the station at the last stop as the heroes pile out a crowd has gathered and local law enforcement starts to try and question them both the nobles and the conductors praise them as their saviours. Lord and Lady Snarrock tell the local law enforcement that they would be better served by going to rescue the people they abandoned further down the track, and Lord Snarrock offers the heroes the hospitality of his estate for the next few days as a thanks for their efforts. <laughs>